Buzzard writes in, Your site did not experience a security glitch. It's actually called a security vulnerability. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. He's right. The buzzard's right. The correction police buzzards. Woo! Thank you for that. That's correct. It was not a glitch. A glitch would be a bad code that would negatively impact your functionality, but it wouldn't necessarily impact your security. Something's wrong with your site that negatively impacts your security, that makes you vulnerable to attack. That's a security vulnerability. That is absolutely correct. God, I love the intelligence level of the buzzards that follow this show. I, I can't believe it. It's really, it's impressive. It really is. Yes, we were vulnerable. We probably still are vulnerable. I'm sure there's plenty of vulnerabilities that we have that no one has exploited yet, that we don't know about. And trust me, I live in fear of that every day. But we were vulnerable, and playerprofiler.com was destroyed like Princess Leia's home planet a month ago. That's right. It's been still less than a month. I can't believe there's been it was such a whirlwind trying to get the site back. And now we're we're back right we're like an article machine on playerprofiler.com. You can go to playerprofiler.com forward slash articles and see all the articles we're writing and and we're in article writing mode leading up to the season and it I can't believe it was it was so it feels like so long ago, but it was less than a month that we were hacked and destroyed. So thank you again, Buzzard Correction Policeman. Appreciate that. I was speeding. <laughs> also, did you get me for that? Uh, so questions. How can you find more of me? That is also, that's, so that was a friendly buzzer. Thank you, buzzer. That's a nice, nice message to write in. Nice question. I'm happy to answer those questions all the time on the air. Absolutely. How can you find me? Well, you can find me on right now. You're listening to me right now on Roto Underworld Radio. You can contact the show rotounderworld at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotounderworld. Tweet the show. Ask us anything. I will answer questions. Players you want me to cover. I know one of the questions and one of the requests we got from the buzzards was, can you talk about more late round players? The late round streamers, the sleepers, etc. And yes, we will be getting more into that. We've been covering a lot of players. DeMarco Murray, Frank Gore, players in the early rounds, and I will be pivoting to late round everything as my Twitter handle. You can also follow me personally on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion, and my name on Twitter is late round everything. So it makes sense. I will gravitate towards the late round players. We've had shows on Jeff Janis. We've had shows on a handful of other late round players, but that will begin to be a focus of the show. Now, there, there's other shows, though. I'm doing other podcasts now. I'm doing the Football Diehards podcast. To find that show, we're on that show is on Stitcher if you're an Android user. It's also on iTunes if you're an Apple user. So just look for, do a search for Football Diehards podcast or Football Diehards pod on your, your podcasting platform. And if you can't find it, let me know, and I'll make sure that we're on it. I think we're on Podkicker. We're on a whole bunch. And again, I mentioned, go to playerprofiler.com and you can read some of my articles. Playerprofiler.com forward slash articles. I've written about five articles in the last few months, and I plan to write two articles per week until the season starts. So go ahead, find the articles section on playerprofiler.com and bookmark it. Now, that section, the, we have an editor. 
at playerprofiler.com now. Oh, yes, we're building a hierarchy. Yes, a staff. It's great. The editor of the articles section, his name is John Solace, and he's doing a terrific job. And you can follow him on Twitter, at the lawyer boy. He needs more followers. He's, he's new to Twitter, and so we just need to flood him with followers. He knows what he's doing. I've already retweeted a couple of his, his insights because he's smart. So he's been a godsend for the show and especially for the website. So really appreciate what John's doing. Now, we also have some writers like 14teammocker. Follow him at 14teammocker. And as well as a whole bunch of other great writers at RI Patriot. There's just a lot of guys writing for the site now. And if you want to write for the site, I'm happy to plug you on the show as well. So let us know, again, at Roto Underworld or email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. If you're interested in writing for the show, or not for the show, I write all my own material for the show. Imagine that. Imagine if this show had a team of writers like The Daily Show. Like Jon Stewart apparently has 20 writers. The Daily Show is something crazy. I think people, people volunteer to write for The Daily Show just because it's The Daily Show, and they end up having... Imagine doing a half an hour show. I can't imagine doing a half hour show with commercials. So you're really only laying down 18 minutes of content. And of that 18 minutes of content, you have 18 writers. You literally have one writer per minute to help you write the content for the show. Oh my god, if I had that, I write all this myself. Oh, if I had a writer. Oh my god. If I had a writer, it'd be worse. You can say that. I'm, I'm pretty good at comedy, the melding of comedy and fantasy football. I, I think if I if I farmed out that farmed out the the topics and the narratives for the show to a, a team of writers, I don't think I'll ever do that. You're always gonna get raw, uncut, and real Matt Kelly when you tune into Roto Underworld Radio. Oh yes, yeah. Oh yeah. But let us know if you want to write. We, we're, we're happy to. We're, we're always accepting new writers. If you're interested in analytics and you want to write about players, that's that's really it. That's all it requires. That's all that is required to write for this show. So let us know. We're happy to add you to the team. And the team is growing. Literally every day we have a new writer submitting an article for the site. It's blowing my mind, the, the, the popularity of the article section. I, I had no idea that it would become so popular that we're, we're now publishing more than one article per day, and it's incredible. There's a new piece on the site, relatively new, in the last few days, by 14 Team Mocker on playerprofiler.com. And it's on the topic of recency bias as it relates to injury proneness and how recency bias drives these generic injury-prone labels that players get tagged with and I, I I've always and I will continue to lament the generic injury prone label that is often unfairly slapped onto players because and, and I, I don't want to continue to talk about this because we can there has been never is that a sentence there has been never we have never had a topic on this show that has generated as many buzzard messages, that has generated as many tweets and emails as this Frank Gore injury-prone topic. Is Frank Gore injury-prone? The answer is no. He's not particularly injury-prone. He's not as injury-prone as Ryan Matthews. 
but is he more injury prone than some sites that predict injury proneness or measure injury probabilities? Is he more prone to injury than, say, injurypredictor.com thinks he is? I contend yes. And we've been covering this topic for the last couple shows. Normally, how it works, just to take you behind the scenes and how the mechanics, behind, how the gears of this show operate, essentially, I bring up a topic and we talk about it. And I rely on the audience to drive the show. So that you can think of the show as always meeting these forks in the road. And then really the audience, you all, the minions, decide where the show goes. There's always a series of forks in the road every show. And it's really dri the, the direction is driven by the audience. So if we talk about a player, like we talked about Andre Johnson. And no one wrote in about Andre Johnson. We got no emails no tweets regarding Andre Johnson. So essentially, you all were like, hey, thanks, Matt Kelly. Appreciate that take on Andre Johnson. I'm going to go ahead and file it away, and let's go ahead and move on. And I'm sitting there going, okay. Maybe you appreciated it. Maybe you didn't. But I know we didn't get any feedback about it, so it only resonated so much. I'm going to go ahead and move on to another player and another topic and another phenomenon. And the show goes along like that. And sometimes we get stuck on a topic because you all continue to choose the path. So if there is the fork in the road, left is new player, new topic. Right is continue to talk about the same player and or the same topic. And because I continue to be inundated with tweets and emails regarding Frank Gore, regarding Injury Predictor, regarding Benjamin Albright, it seems that you continue to pick the right path, the right direction. So this is you. This is driven by you. You do not want me to let go of this topic like you did Andre Johnson. You want me to continue to discuss Frank Gore and, in, and injury proneness and the the it's not drama I can't stand that that term it's not drama the the uh, the besmirchment of the reputation of injurypredictor.com by various members of the sports media including Benjamin Albright so we will continue to talk about that today but I can promise you it doesn't matter how many more emails or tweets I receive on this topic I am the driver of the show. I am behind the wheel. I'm the driver. Okay? So, I... The navigator tells me, keeps telling me, go right, Frank Gore. Go right. Talk about Frank Gore. Go right. Keep talking about Frank Gore. Turn right. Keep talking about Frank Gore. And I keep obliging. Sure, no problem. Turn the signal on. Tick, 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 tick. Let's talk about Frank Gore some more. Tick, 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 tick. Let's talk about Frank Gore some more. Thank you, Navigator. I appreciate you helping me understand what topics are resonating with the audience, what the audience wants me to talk about. And I will give the audience what they want. That's the, the fun, one of the fundamental premise of the show, is that we listen to the buzzards. We lament the existence of the buzzards. We criticize the buzzards when they are rude, but still... At the end of the day, we rely on them to know what to talk about and to make sure that we're resonating. However, I am still the driver. I still have an artistic vision for the show. 
and I can eventually say, okay, enough. That's enough. There, there is a pool of players. There are 32 teams, each of which have multiple running backs and multiple wide receivers that we need to be talking about. Literally hundreds of players out there. We cannot spend two weeks on the same player on the same topic. No. And the, and the, the, the navigator's trying to grab the steering wheel and, and pull me towards Frank Gore. And I'm like, no! We're going left this time. I have other players to talk about. There's a ton. Tyler Gaffney, C.J. Anderson, Marcus Whedon. Don't y'all want to hear about them? David Carr. I have other players. When was the last time I talked about a quarterback? Think about it. So I'm telling you right now today, I promise you, I am giving you my word that I will move on from this Frank Gore topic after today, I swear. Now, to a buzzard message. You criticize Benjamin Albright for questioning Injury Predictor, and then you question the validity of Injury Predictor. Hashtag two-faced. Oh, yeah. Another hashtag in the email. Thank you. Okay. Oh, hold on. Let me go to the email platform. Let me go to Gmail and search for the hashtag two-faced so I can see what's trending. No, that's right! You can't do that on email! Stop! I, I, I can't decide whether... This, I knew people were doing this and it always annoyed me when people would put hashtags in emails. Oh, oh a pet peeve. But now that I seemingly get every other message from a buzzard in an email has a hashtag, I'm starting to think that you all know what bothers me. And you now are just trying to agitate me. That's what I've, I've come to the decision that you all are trying to agitate me. Again, you're in on the joke. So I just need to chill when I see all these hashtags. I know this is playful. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, it's a pet peeve. Okay, we'll move on. And what I will say about Injury Predictor is this, and I believe I, I, I alluded to this on the previous show, but I want to I state it flatly on this show. Jake Davidow, the founder of InjuryPredictor.com, his probabilities are predictive in most cases. However, they are flawed in certain outlier situations, outlier cases such as Frank Gore. There's no way that Frank Gore has a 94% chance of finishing the season without an injury that causes him to miss a game. That's, I will go to my grave believing that that's an impossibility. 94% chance of not being injured. No way. Just no way. Just based on my understanding of human physiology and the sport of football and the data that we have compiled at playerprofiler.com on RB injury rates overall. Just that number is an impossibility. But most of the players that you will look up on Injury Predictor, their probabilities of missing a game due to injury, I believe, are largely predictive and have great value when you are creating a risk threshold, a risk profile for your players. The project of probabilistically forecasting future injuries of NFL players is a noble pursuit and has value. I mean, I've talked to Jake Davidow about this. He knows I want him to incorporate 
age and mileage and athleticism into his formula. But those are very difficult factors to add without canceling out the predictive qualities that he already has identified with corresponding noise. Because every time you add more input factors into an algorithm, the risk of canceling out any benefits with additional noise rises. And so that's the dilemma that he's facing. He already has something that's hugely predictive. So improving it isn't as straightforward as you might think. Forecasting is hard, man. It is hard. And if you go to injurypredictor.com and if you go to Frank Gore, and you, you can see it says right there, 6% chance of missing a game this year. There is another issue with Frank Gore beyond just his probability of missing a game this year. And what I like about Injury Predictor is that they wrap each player's probability of being injured, they wrap it with context. So what they said about Frank Gore, they have a write-up on each player. Again, to provide context for their injury risk probability. And what they said on InjuryPredictor.com about Frank Gore is as follows. After missing nine games between 2008 and 2010, Frank Gore played all of his 16 games for four straight seasons. That's your recency bias. That's why everyone thinks that Frank Gore is maybe the most durable running back in the NFL, even though he's missed seasons with torn ACLs and, in, and, and major ankle injuries. Recently, we remember Frank Gore as being this indestructible player. But, Injury Predictor goes on to say, however... Due to his age and history of bad ankle injuries, <gasps> if Frank Gore does pick up an injury in 2015, he will not recover easily. Does that remind you of anyone? Can you think of any running back in recent memory that was 32 years old, had a history, maybe not in the last couple years, but certainly had a history of injuries to a particular area of the body, and then he did, in his age 32 season, pick up an injury to that part of the body. And then it took an inordinate amount of time for him to heal because he's an old person. And old people don't heal from injuries at the same rate that young people do. I'll give you a second to think of the player. Okay, your second's up. The player is Steven Jackson. He strained his quad initially in 2011. Then he went multiple seasons without hurting his quad again. And then he strained his quad again at the beginning of 2014, and he was over. That strained quad ended in effect. He came back from it later in the season. But he was a lesser player when he came back from the strained quad. So that strained quad that Steven Jackson suffered in his age 32 season essentially ended his career. And that's an issue, I think, that, that is is not discussed with players like Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. It's one thing to lose a player for a game after he pulls a hamstring. It's another thing to lose a player for five games with a pulled hamstring. I mean, Frank Gore's agility is already shot. We've talked about this. He's now essentially useless in the passing game, catching less than 20 footballs a season. I mean, Dan Heron will be Indianapolis's passing down specialist. You can stamp my name on that. Dan Heron's ADP is in the 190s. 
If you go to playerprofiler.com and go to Dan Heron, you can see what his ADP is. I mean, you can get him in the final rounds of every draft. This is the guy. Dan Heron is the guy that will be the running back in the game when Indianapolis is in passing situations. Indianapolis was in a lot of passing situations last year. Well, how many passing situations, Matt? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked exactly how many passing situations Indianapolis was in last year because I would love to get the running back who's going to be the passing down running back for Indianapolis. In fact, there is no better situation in the NFL than being in terms of there's no better situation for a third down specialist passing down specialist running back. There is no better situation in the NFL for that player with that role than the Indianapolis Colts. Because last year, 2014, the Indianapolis Colts passed the ball 690 times. 690 times. And whenever Andrew Luck decides to check down to a running back, or they run a designed screen for a running back on third down, more often than not, that pass will be directed at Dan Heron. And yet, Dan Heron is available in the way, 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 way end of a draft. Draft, 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 draft. Hello, 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 hello. Dan Heron, 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 Heron. Dan Heron is so far down the ADP rabbit hole He's so far in the ADP chasm, in the ADP abyss. Dan Heron is just now hearing my voice. You understand that? We've seen passing down specialists like Danny Woodhead a couple years ago achieve RB1 status in fantasy. And yet, Dan Heron is available at almost pick 200. That to me is... The craziest ADP in fantasy football at the moment is Dan Heron. And I think the reason is because people think, well, Frank Gore is very durable, and Frank Gore hasn't been hurt for the last four seasons, so there's no reason to even think about drafting Dan Heron. The job is Frank Gore's, and it's not Frank Gore's. Frank Gore never was a good receiver, never crested 30 Actually, never crested 20 receptions when he was a running back at Miami. As a running back in San Francisco, he had a handful of reception total bumps when the offensive coordinator chose to draw up an inordinate number of design screens, and he benefited from some dump-offs. But Frank Gore has never been a running back that's good at running routes and has been known for having great hands. That's never been Frank Gore. And now that he's 32 years old and his agility has been sapped, he is essentially useless in the passing game, which is indicated by his reception totals in the last few years. Now, Dan Heron, on the other hand, has great agility. Agility score has been correlated with success in the passing game. An 11.01 agility score for Dan Heron is 84th percentile. That's good. And, well, okay, so he was great at the combine in in agility work and agility tests. Fine. Okay. What can he do actually on the football field? Well, that's interesting you say that because he had 21 receptions last year. And 
in racking up those 21 receptions, he was hugely efficient. He got those 21 receptions with an 80.8% catch rate. That was 11th in the league. So Dan Heron is a fantastic receiver. What am I missing here? What am I missing? I'm doing the math. Okay, Close to 700 pass attempts last year. And Indianapolis' volume is going up. They acquired Philip Dorsett. They acquired Andre Johnson. Their passing efficiency is headed north. It's going to improve. They might, they might go over 700 pass attempts in Indianapolis this year. And the running back targets will predominantly go to Dan Heron, not Frank Gore. Frank Gore, who caught a total of 11 footballs last year. Frank Gore caught... Frank Gore had less than one reception per game in 2014. He was a starting running back. He had a 67.5% snap share. Do you understand how bad a running back is in the passing game if he has a 67.5% snap share? and logs 11 receptions? The job is Dan Heron's. And you can say, well, what about Josh Robinson? Josh Robinson looks like he's going to be Frank Gore's direct backup. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Just like in San Diego, Danny Woodhead was not Ryan Matthews' direct backup. If Frank Gore goes down, I would rather have Josh Robinson because I believe Josh Robinson becomes the starting running back on first and second down. But according to Injury Predictor, Frank Gore only has a 6% chance of being injured. So good luck with your Josh Robinson flyer. Good luck with that handcuff lottery ticket. Meanwhile, I'm drafting Dan Heron. Again, Dan Heron, I can't... I, it's, this is the infall... This is the, the impossible number. The unfathomable statistic... Oh, in fantasy football right now is Dan Heron's 192.5 ADP on my fantasy league. It is insane because not only does Dan Heron have standalone value, regardless of Frank Gore's health, Dan Heron will have standalone value starting in week one of 2015. Then if Frank Gore goes down, he will get more carries as well. Again, I think Josh Robinson will get more carries, but if Frank Gore were to go down, Dan Heron would not only be a passing down specialist, he would get some work on first and second down as well. So, this in, in any given scenario, Dan Heron is a valuable fantasy asset. Now, Frank Gore, his starting point is that he lacks explosion. He lacks the explosion that he had when he was young. And he has experienced more violent collisions than almost any running back in the league. He has more miles on his odometer than even Adrian Peterson. So unfortunately, I believe there's a relatively high likelihood that Frank Gore will, will either be a hugely inefficient runner and get benched in 2015 or get hurt with any malady. Strained quad, strained calf, injured ankle, strained hamstring. 
And any one of those maladies would cost him six to eight games. And then potentially, like Steven Jackson, he would come back at, at, at an even lesser level of explosion than he is now at a lesser level of explosion. He'll be lessened, 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 less explosion. I don't even know, will he be able to get out of the backfield? If you have a, if you have a Frank Gore who has close to 2,500 career carries on his odometer at 32 years old, after coming back from a lower body injury, the level of explosiveness that Frank Gore already has a low burst score. Frank Gore's burst score on playerprofiler.com, when he was a young man, 112.3, 14th percentile. So he came into the league with a 14th percentile burst score on playerprofiler.com. I, I, we don't have a negative burst score on the site. The lowest burst scores are something like 110. But I believe that it, a post-injury Frank Gore later in the season, his burst score, if you asked him to, to participate in a broad jump and a vertical jump all over again, that Frank Gore may have a burst score under 100. I... I I believe that 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 is is in the realm of possibility, and for that reason, you should not be drafting Frank Gore in the third round, because players like Joseph Randall, Melvin Gordon, and even <gasps> Justin Forsett have similar upside, more upside than Frank Gore, but way less downside. It's just it's just that simple. And I feel like I got in trouble before when I threw bread up in the air for the buzzards. I mean, at this point in his career, I should just be throwing Frank Gore up in the air, and the buzzards can descend. That's right. And speaking of Adrian Peterson, I know we bring up Adrian Peterson all the time as it relates to Frank Gore. And we talked about Steven Jackson earlier. But one issue with Adrian Peterson is that he has a low BMI as well as well as being 30 years old. People think of Adrian Peterson as being a guy that's big and strong and tough, but because he's relatively tall, Adrian Peterson's body mass index isn't what I thought it was even. So I went to Adrian Peterson's profile on playerprofiler.com, and I was shocked to learn that his BMI is only 28.6, 16th percentile. And th there has been work correlating BMI with both production and durability. But again, it would be nice if Injury Predictor incorporated BMI and age into their algorithm. It would be great if it was more sophisticated and more accurate and more predictive. But you're also inviting noise into the equation, and it's going to be a very difficult thing for them to continue to improve it over time. I think they will make incremental improvements over time. They're only on version one. There are plenty more versions to go. So I'm fine with an outlier like Frank Gore here or there requiring suspension of disbelief, knowing that the vast majority of injury predictors' probabilities of, of being injured this year are valid. But just because injury predictor could be more sophisticated doesn't mean it's not predictive. I mean, these false choices are presented all the time in the marketplace of ideas. And to me, it's always maddening. That if you, just because you can find one example where the prediction doesn't work or the prediction doesn't make sense, that that is all the evidence that you need to throw the tool away.
Forecasting is an inexact science. And like we talked about, Ryan Matthews, the forecast injury predictor has made, I agree with it. I think it's a good one. I think Frank Gore, maybe a couple other players, essentially break David Al's algorithm. But otherwise, his work has predictive qualities. And it's absolutely not being marketed unethically, which is what I've heard from individuals in the marketplace who have not, I, want, I was going to say a loud voice, but he only has a little over 10,000 followers, so a medium-sized voice. So those in the marketplace with a medium-sized voice saying that the marketing of injurypredictor.com is unethical, that to me is, is, is offensive when I hear that. Because it's pretty obvious. When, when I'm reading Benjamin Albright's comments for smirching David Al's reputation on social media, Albright doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't even understand probabilities. It's so irritating. Stupidity by itself is a victimless crime. Unless false allegations and intimations of immorality and unethical behavior arrive on the scene. That's when stupidity becomes jerkitude. I mean, essentially, Benjamin Albright is like Farva from Super Troopers. He and I are both referred to as abrasive, but here's the difference. My shenanigans are cheeky and fun. His shenanigans are cruel and tragic. And one of my pet peeves is when these sports radio blowhards tout themselves as quote-unquote experts. If you were really an expert, you wouldn't be trolling incessantly on social media all day. No one does that more. No one fits that profile more than Benjamin Albright, the self-proclaimed expert who just spends all of his time trolling social media. It's unbelievable. He's a self-proclaimed quarterback expert. And he's not a quarterback expert. He doesn't even understand the fundamental aspects of developing a quarterback prospect into an NFL starter. He touts quarterbacks that look like Logan Thomas. as develop He touts quarterbacks like Logan Thomas as developmental quarterbacks with upside. That's the profile of the type of quarterback that Benjamin Albright loves to tout. And that's a false notion. There's no such thing as a developmental quarterback. That notion is a fallacy. Quarterbacks are invited to camp to facilitate drills, not to work on their mechanics. So if you're a free agent quarterback, like Brandon Bridge or Chris Bonner, and you get a camp invite, you're not going to be on that team for very long because you're not accurate. It doesn't matter if you can throw the ball 60 miles an hour. The under-the-radar quarterbacks that ascend think Tom Brady. Think Tony Romo. Late round, free agent quarterbacks, undrafted quarterbacks, who eventually became stars. Those were accurate passers on the practice squad. They were not the guys with the big erratic arms. If you have a big erratic arm and you're an undrafted free agent, you have zero chance of not only becoming an NFL star... But even being on the 53-man roster, it's an impossibility. Because here's the thing. You need an accurate arm in order to stick on a practice squad. Because you can only be useful for a team if you have an accurate arm. NFL teams have no time to quote-unquote develop quarterbacks that go undrafted. 
the mythical, big-armed, erratic quarterback that is signed off the street that somehow one day develops accuracy after painstaking coaching doesn't exist. It's a total fallacy. Yet, these are the quarterbacks that every year Benjamin Albright sells us as sleepers in the NFL draft or as undrafted free agents. And it's stupid.